Good morning, Afghanistan. That's right. Today, again, in the middle of the week, happy Wednesday, we celebrate the end of the war in Afghanistan. I'm resigned to calling it that. The end of the war crime in Afghanistan. Maybe that's a better way to say it, but it's not over. Not by a long shot. And the criminal behavior of the American government, the war machine, continues in Afghanistan, despite everything the Taliban has accomplished. And like the more I see the Taliban demonized in the media, the, the more I like them. <laughs> uh, the people's the people's militia of Afghanistan is that is, is it unfair to characterize yeah, it that I, way? It makes me want to dig in and really see what's fucked so. up. That's well. So we're going to get to at least the first layer of understanding of just that in our Afghanistan block today, Joey. We've got a super small COVID block because I don't care, but there's important updates, and we got a fun grab bag, and more importantly, our guest today is none other than Mike Adams, the health ranger. Very excited to have my old friend back on the show. It's been far too long, especially, well, we've actually, we've been trying to get him for a while with, with uh, since in COVID season, since COVID season started, he's, he's been very busy, obviously. And uh, man, I mean, I got, I got big questions for him, but today, yes, in the Afghanistan block, getting into some of the implications and the lessons and comparisons for perspective that are very important. The title of today's show, Kabul Skydiving Club, it was uh, from a from a goofy ass meme that looks like it's got to be a T-shirt design uh, that says Kabul Skydiving Club, and it's got the picture. It's it's got like a cartoon picture of the C-130 with people falling off of it, with the guys falling off who are uh, you know trying to get out of. Afghanistan itching on a flight. I, I have a feeling there's there's going to be some other story, you know, backstory to that as well that's going to be coming. I mean, there's always what we're told and then what we figure out really happened later. So we're going to get into some really important stories that I, I think are sort of accelerating this re-understanding process, this reading between the lines and figuring out what's really going on. And and as we are doing all week, we are taking calls from Afghanistan veterans. Any veterans really who want to weigh in on what's going on in Afghanistan right now or what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, or any, we want to talk to, uh, you know, if there are any, any Gold Star families, uh, or even Blue Star families, Gold Stars, if your uh, family member who was in the military is deceased in combat, and Blue Stars, if they are just deployed in combat currently. So uh, if, if that's anybody who wants to call in to weigh in on this, uh, really anybody who has, you know, we, we've spoken to contractors and uh, people with various other related connections to the war in Afghanistan, uh, but uh, veterans in particular, especially if you're, you were there, we had some great callers yesterday, and uh, I think we can keep that going for a few more days. Maybe, maybe we'll cut this off. Maybe we'll cut it off for Good News Friday. Right? We just, we're still going to do Good News Friday. But uh, for today, for tomorrow, we definitely want to get into this. We're going to have more. We're going to at least be covering uh, with thorough blocks what's going on in Afghanistan for a couple more days. Uh, and then there will be uh, there will be more news. 
but yeah, instead of being an expert on virology and immunology and COVID, I've decided to be an expert on Afghanistan this week. So uh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, Jim, producer notes. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. we got a great show planned for you. Hope you're ready to enjoy yourselves. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man is a public telegram channel. We tell you about every single day. It has every single link of everything we're going to talk about today, even if we don't talk about it, but we planned on it. It's in there. So if you want to follow along, you can do so right there. It's the best place to do so. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We have a one, five, 10, even a $50 a month package. $10 a month is the, what we call the sweet spot. That's going to get you access to the private producers club. The private producers club is a private telegram group, uh, as opposed to the public one, the private one, we share links ahead of the show and determine what we're going to talk about. So Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. You want to see all kinds of great high quality pictures and videos of life up in Gardenia with all the fur babies and sunsets and sunrises. You can check those out at Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Best place. Definitely get yourself connected and follow in that page because always kind of always good stuff coming out from that. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com, the veterans nonprofit organization that aims to end the need for combat veterans in the first place. If you'd like to learn how they're going to do that and, or donate to their causes, always know that all of your donations to homefrontbattlebuddies.com are theft deductible. So that's awesome. Definitely take advantage of that. Put all of your theft deductible monies into homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Next, crypto6.com, the crypto, the number six.com. It's got the QR codes so you can donate to the legal funds of the Bitcoin church people that were raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. And it's also got a link so you can write to Mr. Nobody who's still sitting in a cage because of it. So the crypto, the number six dot com is how you can do those. Please do that. Next, we go to gogreenenergyonline.com. Our friend Mr. Nygaard runs this website and he's trying to help everybody on the planet learn about solar panels, micro wind powers, get yourself off grid, get yourself self-sustaining. If you want to learn and educate yourself on how to do it yourself. Find out how on gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got for promos today. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Here comes our co-host. All right. Good morning, Mikey Miller on YouTube. And Ant calling in from, where are you today? Ant Farm today. Made a home. All right. Did you get a haircut? Uh, like a long time ago. Did you get a shave? Uh, yeah, I, I do shave sometimes. What's, <laughs> I, yeah, I do. Hmm. You're like the least bearded person we've had on the show this week on screen. We had a woman call in, but she wasn't on screen. Yeah, we had, a, we had, we had some amazing calls yesterday. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm like, we. Ed has a beard down to his belly button. Jim has a beard down to his belly button. Wait, Steve. See, Steve was Steve was AWOL yesterday flipping with, with Ed. Ooh, well, he's running for governor. He has an excuse to shave, although it's still a terrible one. <laughs> they say a politician with a beard is hiding something. That's why, like, you have to be clean shaven to be a politician. Well, in my case, I am, I'm hiding something. I'm, I, I have a weak. Yeah, chin. but like, uh, what was Rutherford B. Hayes hiding when he had a beard? You know, I know that was like 200 years ago, but I'm just saying. Make the presidency bearded again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, well, no, and I was, I mean, I, I was just wondering about this because uh, I'm, I'm looking at the Taliban in so many of these pictures from Afghanistan, going like, oh. Oh yeah, that's what men look like naturally. And I'm like, ah. Actually, it, it first came to me because my mustache is really bothering me. Mine bothers me. That's why I cut mine off. 
it's 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 a weird curse of facial hair for both men and women, I guess, that you have that, that, that God put hair on your upper lip. Like what 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 is in mm, what is it doing there? Like soup strainer? Like really? You know, it's and and my like I've always kept mine trimmed so that you could see my entire upper lip, right? And now as I'm growing, I'm growing to like next scale general beard size. I'm growing the, the, the mustache out to, to match instead of keeping it trimmed. And it's like, how do you do this? What do you and I'm looking at these Taliban guys with these awesome beards going, Oh man, I now I know where I need to go for beard advice. Like, all right, guys, how did you how do you get that thing to do that? How do you how'd you get and then I'm like, wait, we've got our own American Taliban right here with Jim and Ed. Pretty and, and then I go, wait a second. There's I, and I know I'm like geeking out about my own beard because I want to ask these Taliban guys like okay when it gets so long that it starts curling does it just naturally like turn out to the side or do you have to put like shit yeah oh, Jim if I may uh, I, I was one I was friends with a guy from a beard club Canyon State Beard Club I'll go ahead and throw them out because they're a bunch of awesome guys they have beard competitions all the time worked with the guy for a couple years. Uh, his mustache, I trim mine as well. Even though I have long down here, I keep it trimmed because that drives me crazy. Like while I'm eating and just, it just does drive me crazy. But what he did, which I always thought was kind of genius. And you know, you got to get to that level. Once it gets so long, he literally had two of those little tiny hair clips that women use and he would put them to the side and clip his, clip it and put it to the side and clip it like that so that all the mustache hair would, or yeah, stay to the side so that he could eat without eating his hair. That's literally no about way. basically what I'll bet you in I'll bet you in Afghanistan mm. I'll bet you they have some sort of cultural accepted thing where they do something to adjust their mustaches while they eat I'll bet you. Well, there there are different rules in Islam and we as people who are not part of that culture except maybe Jim uh you know we uh, we tend to like simplify rules and misunderstand things. And the reality is that it's much more sort of casual than, than we make it out to be like, Oh, if you trim your beard, you're going to hell according to Islam. Like, no, uh, D Vincent W my mustache tickles my nose and it pisses me off. I trim it. And then I look like some kind of groom. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, um, the evolution of, uh, the human face, surprise, surprise, uh, is is related to attraction that used to be uh, based on genitals. You want to? This is going to sound so weird and out there as a sidebar from my random studies of evolution. But think about animals and even monkeys, primates, when they walked on all fours, primarily, right? Female genitals were in the air. You remember those monkeys with the big red butts? Yeah. That's how you knew. That's how you knew if someone was hot, right? Well, when, when the monkey started walking vertical and you couldn't see genitals as easily, we did this thing, women did this thing to you know be more attractive up here. It became much more important. Um, but no, it, men have mustaches and it's like, what the fuck? You need clips to eat if you grow your mustache out naturally? No, no. What we're, or we're, just we're deal like, with it. Mine, mine bothers me when it gets in the corner of my mouth right here. That's the, it bothers me. So then you cut this part off, and then you get the the pedo stash going on. So then you get cut the whole damn thing <laughs> off. So <laughs> so you're like, God dang it! 
It's like, how did the blonde mustache become the signal to the world that you're a freak? Hey, you blonde-haired monster, if you ever want to share the world, share with or this is some dumb bit. I think this is a Daniel Tosh line. If you ever want to share your uh, freakish tendencies with the world, you just leave a little strip of blonde hair right there above your mouth, and everyone will know what a weirdo you are. Uh, <laughs> but there's got to be a natural way that, like, if you grow it out, it just it just turns out, and you can – is it like you can still – yeah, I did grow mine. I did grow mine super long for a while. I was like, like when I first started deciding, I'm just going to let it do what it does un, untrimmed, you know what I mean? And go into supernatural wild man. I was letting it grow long and it got, I was dealing with the irritation of it and thinking it'll just grow on me. I'll get used to it and I won't even think about it anymore. And I was constantly taking my nails and like just moving it to the side, you know, constantly trying to train, train. it to lay to the side but then eventually it got so long i started like not liking the way it looked like my my instead of my mustache hairs just looking like natural mustache hairs coming down it looked like hairs going that direction it, it looked weird and i was like that list looks stupid so i combed it back out trimmed it up and i was like i like how that looks i'm done so i'm gonna go for it. i think did you ever get serious of like wax and combs to train it they make a lot of product for men beards. No, but like I said, I mean, once it it, it was kind of trained, I had it to where I would go like this and it would stay to the side for a while and off my lips. But every time I'd look in a mirror, the way it looked with the hairs, they were so long and sideways looking. It was like, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it was just me. It was my face. You know, I didn't, maybe I needed to, you know, get it just a little bit longer. Who knows? Read that. My cousin and I were 10. Grandpa told us if we smeared cow poop on our face, we would grow beards. He was right. Years later, hair grew. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Willis from YouTube. <laughs> Give it a shot. Hey, it's worth a shot. What the hell? I didn't have to do it, but you know, more power. Now the, per the, the so hey, I want to get some callers here again today because we had such great ones yesterday talking about Afghanistan veterans first in line, of course. Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about this because I'm seeing the Taliban with beards, but I'm pretty sure every single veteran who called in yesterday, including our co-host Ed, had a pretty serious, uh, I want to say set of facial hairs. That's not right. Pretty serious set. It's, uh, there's yeah. there's got to be fun. So I've, never, I've never been able to grow more than white trash anyways. So, And then with my work, uh, I've explained it. I can't have. Uh, a lot of facial hair because I have to be able yeah. to mask and everything. So, so there's only limited amounts of ways I can wear facial hair that it's approved by work, and all oh, of them geez. make me look creepy. So I oh. just, <laughs> I just cut it off. Yeah. Man. See, so, and I was actually hoping to get you to weigh in on this as well, uh, uh, from the energy industry perspective, being in oil and gas, and 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 I don't know. Um, you know what if, if you if you have any particular connection from your experience but if you have any insight into what's happening with uh with afghanistan as it's affecting the energy industry uh as of right now uh i don't think that afghanistan has been a, a major player in the energy industry i know they have oil but with that's being at war with them for so long really opec and everything it, it, they're a very minor player right now uh mm. if anything it might help us a little bit in our gas prices because the military isn't using all that 
that petrol over there in Afghanistan, get from yeah, right. back over here. But yeah. all that means is they're going to redeploy them somewhere else. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's the way our war machine works, right? Uh, we're pulling everybody out of Afghanistan, but uh, by the way, we're putting everybody in Saudi Arabia instead. So, what the what the hell does it matter? You know, it's they're just moving assets around. What they didn't leave behind for Taliban. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Mike Adams just texted me, got, got creden- login credentials for the show. Did, um, did, did someone send him the, the stream yard link? I can't really text during the show. Uh, I could. Yeah. Should I do that? I emailed the link to the, uh, email that's in the calendar. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, well, give me a second. Um, and actually, and while, while I'm doing this, uh, I was curious, do you know anything about pipelines in Afghanistan? Um, I know that we have uh, some pipelines in Afghanistan. We have, uh, we have pipelines all over the place. But I think the, the biggest pipeline uh, controversy was still the, the one that they're trying to dispute that was going through Syria. Um, uh, as far as Afghanistan, I don't... I'm not sure. There have not been a major like economic player for some years as far as oil and gas is concerned. When you when we talk about, you know, the pipelines and, you know, and all the off, you know, the OPEC, it's usually Saudi Arabia, it's Syria, it's Iraq, it's Iran. Uh, Afghanistan's just not like a, a major player. I mean, they do have an influence, obviously, but it's not as big as some of the big players in the Middle East. All right. But there's enough. a lot of other things obviously going on there. All right. Well, hey, the, the other reason I bring up the beards, by the way, is uh, aside from being a, a bearded American, uh, this is something that I think is really important to the uh, ascension of humanity. Not that beards themselves are particularly important as more than symbols, but as symbols of natural masculinity, as I think an assertion of positive or healthy or divine masculinity in contrast to toxic masculinity, wearing a beard is actually a positive expression of that. And there's so many interesting comparisons with the Taliban right now to the United States and Donald Trump supporters. And it's like, hey, hey, guys, this is how you do an insurrection. You know, like, no, no, you're going to really like this. Hey, remember when Joe Biden said you needed tanks and and uh, and and nukes to take down the American government? You don't. And it's kind of like I, I, the, I, I'm starting to think of like so that a, a lot of these criticisms we're going to get into today uh, in this block about Afghanistan are sort of defenses of the Taliban. And, and I'm not that the titles are defenses, but that my my take and my analyses on these mainstream headlines are like, ah, let's let's put this in perspective a little bit. And I I, I hesitate to start calling the Taliban something that I don't have a, a thorough understanding of. Like, I want to call it the, the people's militia of Afghanistan. You know, like, that's like, and I know, like, the truth of the Taliban is a lot closer to that than what they're being portrayed as in, you know, Western mainstream media, at least. And so with that, there's there's a certain, like, lesson for the american people here hey you know you know how the taliban just beat the american government we can do the same thing here too if we want and and i and there's been all sorts of ways that this invites accusations 
of of uh, inclinations to violence um, and terrorism. If I say, "Well, look at me, I got a beard. I'm the American Taliban," or you think of uh, Panvidia, Magnus. Y'all know, remember we interviewed uh, Panvidia a few weeks ago. Uh, Panvidia as a a uh, sort of self-appointed nominal figurehead of the Boogaloo movement, right? Um, in, in, in using those terms as acknowledgement of its decentralized and, and leaderless nature, but there he he's got he's he's got one of those one of them terrorism beards, you know. And it's not it's I, I like trim I like being mostly trimmed and having neat edges on my beard. I don't like I don't like Ed or 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 Jim's look or some of these Taliban beard looks where it goes down into like scraggly individual hairs hanging down like no that should that shouldn't be a thing it should be a neat neat full shape but there's something about youtube just nixed us we just got killed on youtube i think so live? we did live because we're talking about what it was but yeah the it just ended and we're no longer like it's Supposedly, it says we're streaming it to YouTube, but it's not. It ended, and now we're not on YouTube anymore. All right. Today. That's weird. From YouTube while we're live. That's a good one. It's the beards. We're not see this. See when they censor me for talking about beards, I'm just gonna talk about beards more. Uh, we're still on Twitch and Odyssey, guys. Yeah. That's well. Those people are know that, but uh, Facebook, Steve says we're live wow. on Facebook still, too. Uh, oddly, mm -hmm. we're all live on Facebook, you know, but not on YouTube. Um, our only uh, other option is to literally cut the show and redo a whole nother. Nah, we'll, we'll keep going. But, but I had a question for you, though, for those of us who are still tuned in. Up. Um, so how much uh, of the of us claiming that the Taliban are just terrorists, you think is propaganda versus how much of that is true? Because I, I see stuff, you know, on mainstream media that would really imply that that even though they may be fighting for something, their means that they go about it are definitely not what I would call good intentions. Mike know? Adams, hold on, Mike Adams is banned on YouTube as well. All the more reason to restart it. No, so we'll, re we'll repost to YouTube if uh, we have to the whole episode. It, get banned. it just got cut at 19 minutes and 22 seconds for some reason. So it might be a glitch where StreamYard just disconnected YouTube. No, but StreamYard said it kept that. going the whole time. We'd be ruining all of our other streams. And no, StreamYard, StreamYard has been known to disconnect destinations, individual destinations, and you have to reconnect them. And that is likely what happened. No, no, Jim said we're still streaming. Yeah. StreamYard says yeah. we're still connected. Yeah, what Joey's talking about is uh, <laughs> every once in a while, StreamYard will disconnect a specific thing and you'll have to reconnect it to be able to stream there. But according to my screen... StreamYard is still telling me that we're streaming to YouTube right now. I'm looking at the YouTube icon and it has a green check mark claiming that we're streaming to YouTube right now. Yeah, but so we're not going to interrupt the show if we're streaming on two other platforms to kiss YouTube's ass or fuck around with their bullshit. Oh, is it working now? Is it no? We're not going to do that. Better to have a continuous show and we'll just we'll just upload it to YouTube afterwards. Although we'll probably get a strike for that too. I think Mike Adams is is we're we're going to talk about a few things with Mike Adams. Um, and, and how he's been censored uh, is one of them. Uh, what to do about COVID and what's underreported COVID. Those are the three things that we're going to be getting into with him. 
Um, but I, I think he got banned on YouTube as well. He definitely got banned. They, they've been chasing him off Facebook. He's had to do all sorts of crazy shit to let even his links to stories get shared by other people on Facebook. Steven Remus, if you're not, you are not on YouTube, there isn't even a video or was live on YouTube anymore. Interesting. The whole thing got pulled. Yeah, we're not going to interrupt the show to fuck around with YouTube, though. No, definitely not for on two other platforms. Um, so, uh, Ant, very good question about, about Afghanistan. Let me do the Afghanistan block. And and hopefully the COVID block before we get to Mike Adams here. And I, th- me, I think I think we'll answer that. Well, let's see what now. I have all sorts of chats about this. What's happening? All right, Twitch is up and Odyssey is up, so we're good. So let's get right into it here. Our first headline is from the Washington Post at MSN.com: A once vanquished insurgent returns as Afghanistan's likely next leader. I mean, there's so much like it, it, it's if, if you look at this the way they want you to see this and go, oh, my gosh, we screwed up so bad. Oh, my gosh. The worst of the bad guys is winning. It might be a little disturbing. But if you look at this the way that they would want you to look at this. As in the Taliban. They would see this as a moment of righteous justice, as an incredible story of overcoming The man likely to be Afghanistan's next leader entered Kandahar on Tuesday, escorted by a fleet of white SUVs, showered by fireworks and greeted by thousands of Afghans, at least a few holding RPGs. For years, the Taliban's political leaders were ghosts, the invisible strategists of a powerful insurgency. Now, here was the convoy carrying Abdul Ghani Baraka. Some people in the crowd cheered. Many others just stared ahead, transfixed. Baradar had spent more than half his adult life as an insurgent or a prisoner, once so certain of his defeat that he prepared a formal surrender after the U.S. invasion following the 9-11 terrorist attacks. But he emerged from his convoy in a flowing white robe with wire-rimmed glasses and a long black beard as the force who had vanquished the United States and its allies. No one knows exactly how old Bardar is, among the many outstanding questions about him. Right now, perhaps the most pressing, how will someone who split his last decade between a Pakistani prison and a luxury hotel in Doha govern a country where all state structures evaporated in a day? Bardar was a close friend of Taliban founder Mohammed Omar. Both fought against the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and rose to political power after the Soviet withdrawal. In the late 1990s, Baradar served as the Taliban's governor of several provinces, among the leaders presiding over a regime that conveyed power through repression and violence. So he's already got some experience governing there. Now, I want to address this because this is touching on Ant's question here, right? A regime that conveyed power through repression and violence. When you see people who don't look like you, doing things you don't understand in a part of the world that you've never been to. It's very easy to have that reality twisted by those who are presenting it in a way that demonizes the other or the outsider, the outgroup. But a simple examination of perspective gives you a lot more understanding and compassion for what's going on there. Now, I don't want to pretend that the Taliban in the 90s was not a brutal, oppressive regime. But the point of calling it that 
is to say in contrast to what? And then when you measure what was the repression, what was the violence, what was the brutality of the Taliban of that time, weighed against, say, oh, I don't know, the war crimes of the American federal government. Well, those labels apply just as well, if not more so, to the U.S. of A. And yet, after the Taliban took over Kabul this week, Bardar issued a video statement removing his glasses and looking at the camera. Now comes the test. Now it's about how we serve and secure our people and ensure their future. When the United States invaded Afghanistan in 2001 and began bombarding both al-Qaeda and the Taliban, it was Bardar who was negotiating the Taliban's surrender with Hamid Karzai, who would soon be installed as the country's president. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Jason Amring, then a U.S. Special Forces captain, recalled sitting next to Karzai in Pakistan that November as he spoke with Bardar on a satellite phone. As he said, quote, it was this polite conversation. There wasn't really any attention to it. Listening to the tone of voice, it just sounded like Karzai was talking to someone he knew. I didn't realize he was talking to one of the senior Taliban leaders. Within a couple of weeks, Baradar would send a force to try to kill Karzai and his men, yet by early December, under heavy U.S. bombardment, he offered a surrender. And no one no one really asked this, you know, and, and the article and the, and the, and the pundits, when they, when they ask, how could Baradar who has gone through so much and coming from us outside and facing all of these challenges, how could he possibly govern Afghanistan? Are not asking, well, how could a puppet government have ruled Afghanistan for so long? Because if you ask that question, you go, oh, with brutality and oppression and a massive scale of death and violence and destruction under the last 20 years of American military occupation that looks, it makes everything the Taliban ever did insignificant by comparison. Again, just, just a little, just a little perspective. And now, in Kabul, the Taliban has taken over the glitzy multi-million dollar presidential palace that U.S. funds helped to restore. Because that's what American authority is about, right? A glitzy multi-million dollar presidential palace with money stolen from who? Oh, the American people and the rest of the victims of the American federal government used to make the puppet president of the Americans in Afghanistan look authoritarian, excuse me, authoritative, right? Because he lives in the presidential palace. Baradar, who once emblematized the Taliban's ascetic warrior image, will have to decide whether to sleep there in the former home of the men he spent two decades fighting. I don't think he will. Now, there's a lot of covert fuckery happening in Afghanistan. If the Taliban really is the militia of the people of Afghanistan, you bet your ass, if anything, only to cover up their incompetence, to skew the narrative towards blaming them instead of taking a, a responsibility. The interest of the American military industrial complex is going to be to belittle, to sabotage, 
to demonize the Taliban at this point. And, we see, and, and, and of course, the demonization of the American media, that's what we're getting into today. The sabotage attempts, I'm sure, are already well underway. And so in that sense, I am, you know, I, I am, uh, if I was a praying man, I would say I'm, I'm praying for the Taliban to be the best servants of the people that they can right now. Uh, I would pray that they have come to power by representing the people, as it seems I get from my reading between the lines of the mainstream media, especially in the ease with which they 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 took over. Oh, the Americans are gone. They're no longer paying you to suppress the people. Okay, well, here comes the people's m militia. Here comes the people's government. The Norman transcript, Norman, Oklahoma, this is uh, an L.A. Times story. Taliban pledges of moderation and women's rights elicit skepticism. Do you see headlines like this when, when Biden comes out and says, oh, yes, we, we believe in freedom, uh, so we're going we're gonna to end the war on drugs oh, next year? <laughs> skepticism. Uh, when, when, the, when, when Trump says we're going to end the war in Afghanistan, wait, no, that was Obama. Obama said, we're going to close Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> we're going to win hearts and minds and bring peace to the Middle East. <laughs> Skepticism, please, please. And uh, no, 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 no. The mainstream media has to go, oh, wait, wait. When the Taliban says they're going to govern this way, we'll be skeptical of them. Now, it's fair, fair, but again, not without that perspective. And with with this uh, contrast, I mean, a lot of people right now are going, oh, my God, Afghanistan is going to go back to the Taliban in the 90s, and it's that brutal, oppressive regime. And you go, well, first of all, let's get some perspective on that. How brutal and oppressive has the American regime of the last 20 years been? A scale worse. A scale! As in, like, 10-plus Something on that scale worse of, of brutality. So we're gonna we going back to just the Taliban oppression and be like, oh, we're just an oppressed population. We're no longer victims of a, a war and an, and an occupation. I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a turn for the better for the people of, 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 of Afghanistan, certainly. But also, you think of how much has the world evolved in the last. 20 fucking years. I mean, it, it, the Taliban's got the internet, all right? Not great, but it's not like they're cut off from the rest of the world. Apparently, a, a Taliban spokesman yesterday was interviewed, I forget where I saw this, about censorship. And you know what he did? He said, how dare you criticize us about censorship when Facebook is pretending to be for free speech and they censor everybody. Like they know, they know what's up. Again, I'm the more I read into this shit, the more I become a fan of the Taliban. Right? <laughs> the Taliban, of course, I'm not I'm not religious and I don't believe in government. So obviously I'm not literally a fan, but in terms of like of all the oppressive regimes in the world, I'll go with the one that represents their people and just defeated the world's biggest empire. For for a thousand dollars, Alex. Thank you very much. The Taliban seeking to dispel fears of return to the group's repressive rule of two decades ago promised Tuesday to respect the rights of Afghan women 
and refrain from seeking vengeance against former foes. Those are the exact two things they are being accused of and demonized of uh, for most in the West. And there, there are some horrific stories that we're going to get to about what's happening today, as you would imagine. Um, but one of them is one of them we're going to get to is that a woman was shot for not wearing a burqa. One. Not they sweat through the country and murdered a bunch of women at random. Not they dropped drones on wedding parties. Not they invaded a country and you know, let you know in a way that led to the deaths of, of tens of millions of people. One. One woman shot. Tragedy. Absolutely. Grounds to judge the Taliban? That's a stretch. That's a big stretch. And if you think of like the isolated incidents, you go, well, is this a trend? Because the Taliban would be fair to say, well, you had American troops pissing on dead bodies of our friends. You invaded our country, murdered our friends, and then pissed on their bodies. And you go, is that, remember that video? There's a video, it's Marines. I believe it was Afghanistan, not Iraq. Pretty sure those Marines in Afghanistan relatively, uh, like, like halfway through the occupation. You go, wait, no, that's a trend. In Afghanistan, they've got one woman. And you know what? I'll bet it's not that. You don't, like, the Taliban shot a woman for walking in the street, not wearing, it's just, it, it's not really a plausible story. Arresting, jailing, beating, you know, that, that stuff, you go, well, yeah, what, maybe, but, like, just randomly shooting for not. More likely, they would kidnap and rape her. I mean, and I just from what I know of the brutality of war in that situation, but these are people coming in with a sense of righteousness, uh, having overcome 20 years of, of suppression under the American military occupation of Afghanistan. Either way, you see the narrative that's being painted as a whole just doesn't add up. Anyway, but tens of thousands of compatriots, some enduring bloody beatings at the hands of Taliban fighters, pressed ahead with a desperate quest for places on a now restarted U.S. airlift ferrying American citizens and Afghan allies out of the country. The militant movement's top leader, Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, made a triumphal return to Kandahar, the birthplace of the Tal Taliban, amid growing signs of the group, which routed government forces across Afghanistan in a little more than a week, was making preparations to formalize a new government. By the way, there were protests. People protesting the Taliban. And there, one of the headlines is that, that a couple, one person was shot. How many people died on January 6th at the Capitol in the United States? America, this is how you do a peaceful transition of power. <laughs> Again, just a little perspective here. Two days, oh, and they felt comfortable protesting. When we, and I can say we, invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, they were so intimidated that they greeted us with 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 flowers as as liberators before turning their backs on us as insurgents because they knew that we were invaders. But they they were so intimidated as to be duplicitous. The people in Afghanistan who hate the Taliban enough to protest them have so much confidence in their respect for freedom of speech and nonviolence and not murdering them for protesting, they're going out and protesting in Afghanistan. Again, just a little perspective. 
Two days after its fighters swept into the capital, Kabul, the Taliban issued a series of conciliatory declarations and statements, even only in the first news conference by its main spokesman, seemingly seeking to present a more moderate face to the world. Its promises drew a skeptical reaction from many inside and outside the country who were mindful of the medieval cruelty and subjugation of women that marked the Taliban rule a generation ago. Oh, like how in the United States a generation ago, or a few generations ago, I guess, you know, we had we had slavery institutionalized, fully defended and endorsed by governments, state governments, local governments, even the federal government until, okay, it was, it was a few generations ago. I don't know how far back you want to go to point out the comparative evils of the U.S. government, but you don't even have to go back because it was a generation ago the Taliban was fucked up, but it was this immediate past generation of 20 fucking years that the American military maintained a brutal occupation with the military in Afghanistan. Again, just a little perspective. <sighs> this article goes on, and it's it's there. there's more about this, uh, the skepticism, what's going on. Um, in terms of uh, you know continuity, the new government, and you know what's happening with this, and it is it is a really tough time right now uh, because there is it's funny the world is used to lockdowns and shutdowns right now. Well, now their experience is sort of political one is a lot of stores are closed and they're going through this uh, relatively peaceful transition of power. I mean, a lot of it is because the Iraq or excuse me the the I'm thinking of all the Iraqi civil defense corps should I dealt with uh, the the uh, Afghan army that was the uh, American puppet army basically stood down. 1054 is likely the DC regime is just latching onto the latest distraction to jour so peace without chameleon eyes look the other way. Yeah, there's a lot of that too manipulation and and here's the new bad guy. But I, I think they're trying they're really trying to demonize um, the Taliban in a way to create a new boogeyman that's not going to stick. So this next headline is the New York Post. Excuse me. Taliban kill woman for not wearing burqa on same day they vow to honor women's rights. Taliban fighter shot and killed a woman for not wearing a burqa in Afghanistan on Tuesday, the same day the group pledged to usher in a new inclusive era in the country that honors women's rights. A photo emerged of a woman in Takar province lying in a pool of blood with loved ones crouched around her after she was killed by insurgents for being in public without a head covering, according to Fox News. Yes, by the way, callers, especially Afghan vets. I, I, maybe we got everybody in who wanted to vent yesterday. If anybody wants to call in, there's the link in the comments. I guess without being on YouTube, we might have lost a chunk of people who didn't I know, know people to go over somewhere Twitch else. Right now, oh, yeah. Hey, just general lesson for everybody. Stay on Twitch. Stay on, well, Odyssey. Odyssey, please. If you, if you Odyssey, go to Odyssey. Um, but hey, Fox News, remember how they got everything right about the war in Iraq before it started? Remember how they got everything right about 9-11 in Afghanistan? I have a feeling this story is all bullshit, and it's going to be revealed later that she was killed for some other reason, and they're misattributing this. The killing came, and, and they're just, oh yes, let's let's undercut the Taliban by misrepresenting the story. The killing came into the group's version of a charm offensive after its swift takeover of the country in the absence of U.S. troops who had been propping up allied military groups since shortly after the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Taliban spokesman Zabi Ahula Mujahid held a news conference to say that the insurgents would honor women's rights 
within highly restrictive Sharia law. And that's uh, that's so much open to interpretation and changing with the times. And I do want to say that the Taliban really is facing a test under global scrutiny of, of balancing their culture with the expectations of the world and what they have to do to avoid uh, the United States re-engagement in Afghanistan or another surge. Uh, and, and, and I, I hope that they're, again, I, I, if I was a praying man, I would say I, I would pray for strength and wisdom for the Taliban to strike that balance in the way that leads to the most humane outcome possible. Uh, you, you, when they, they talk about the Taliban having committed this regime of, of brutal repression in the 90s, um, back then they did not have, as the Afghan puppet army did, massive financial support from outside forces. That was that was a and, and I think a lot of that's exaggerated by the understanding that I've gotten from the American mainstream media. But whatever it was that the Taliban did that was brutal in, in the 90s was a product of the paradigm of the people, which was largely a product of their prior experiences with imperialism in the Russian Empire, right? That made them vulnerable to the forces of uh primitive religious fundamentalism. And that's the strongest cultural force there, right? Islamic cultural fundamentalism. And if it wasn't for that, the Taliban wouldn't have been able to just come in and, oh yeah, hey guys, uh, we're the Taliban, we're in charge, we're here to beat your women. Uh, okay, go ahead. N no, no, that's not how the world works. Uh, 1054, same, you guys might need to do an Odyssey train session because it still isn't working for some of us. I've got four people watching on Odyssey right now. Huh. I can't get verified in Odyssey, so people are having trouble creating accounts in Odyssey, perhaps. Oh, Matt Baxley says me either. All right. Um, Maybe uh, you guys watching hit the contact section on Odyssey. Those guys are really responsive. They might not be. They might not know you're having a problem, and I bet if the team at Odyssey did, they they fix it. For yeah. Them. All right. So uh, the militants urged women to return to school and work. And another Taliban spokesman granted a televised interview to a female journalist. <gasps> They're talking to women? This ain't your granddaddy's Taliban, mister. Yeah, this is a new world. Uh, Mujahid, uh, Mujahid, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Mujahid also vowed to grant amnesty to Afghans who worked with the now toppled government backed by the U.S. That's huge, obvious, necessary, and something that the American mainstream media is going to try to deny as they sensationalize dudes falling off of planes. But I have to think that those ones and those several thousand were the ones who were, there's something else going on. It's not just you work, because if it was everybody who worked with the United States was afraid of the Taliban and was rushing to the Kabul airport to get out and cling to airplanes, you wouldn't have seen the hundreds and possibly thousands total that we saw reported on yesterday, you would have seen tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. So no, by and large, they're not afraid of that. APnews.com, Taliban violently disperse rare protests, killing one person. You imagine if this, if this there's such a disgusting bias that is, I, I, it's not racist, but it's 
it's it's nationalist and it's xenophobic because they 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 didn't say Biden regime violently disperses rare protest killing one person because that's what happened on January sixth. Hello, Ashley Babbitt. The Taliban violently broke up a protest in eastern Afghanistan on Wednesday, killing at least one person as they quashed a rare public show of dissent. The militant group, meanwhile, met with former officials from the toppled Western-backed government. Again, I, the, the general narrative of this, coming from the Associated Press, violently broke up a protest and killed one person. I, I don't know if I even believe that at this point. Again, there's going to be uh, you know, a lot coming out uh, of this, of stories being retold, and you go, oh, Oh, because it was the mainstream media who always lies to us with this interest and that interest. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, video footage later saw the Taliban firing into the air and attacking people with batons to disperse the crowd. Well, that's, that. see, again, in contrast, if it was the American military, what would they have done? Just fire into the crowd, right? I don't know. That, that would have been back in, in the Milai era, of course. I don't think that happens that much in the modern era. And attacking people with batons to disperse the crowd, Babrak Amirzada, a reporter for a local news agency, said he and a TV cameraman from another agency were beaten by the Tal- Taliban as they tried to cover the unrest. A local health official said at least one person was killed and six wounded. The official was not. So, I, I mean, they were beating people and six of them got wounded. What? Well, I mean, that's just, again, they, they, they have to give you these things to hold on to. One person was killed six wounded and they were beating a crowd with batons the taliban militia was out beating a crowd with batons firing at protesters firing guns in the air and six were wounded not dozens were rushed to the hospital with 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 serious wounds no this is relatively low scale being blown up into a headline that a lot more people are going to see and read the headline of than read the article for and let alone bother to read between the lines like this NBC News, images of bloodied Afghans contradict Taliban's claims of moderation. So, like, like imagine, so, clearly, NBC has a, an agenda to discredit the Taliban right now. Because they would never say, like, images of January 6th discredit Biden's claims of a peaceful transition of power. And, and I mean, I, comparing it to January 6th is almost silly because we should be comparing it to the war itself. Like images of drones murdering people at weddings contradict Americans' a government's claim of giving a fuck about human rights and life and decency. No. The militants are trying to consolidate their control of the country amid a campaign to paint a more moderate image. And even that framing is you know, trying to paint a more modern image. No, they they are the more, compared to the U.S. military and the experience of the last 20 years, the Taliban is extremely close to the will of the people of Afghanistan. A more moderate image? No, they're just representing the people as opposed to the puppet government and military that's been oppressing them for the last 20 fucking years. Um, all right, our guest is backstage. Mike, we'll get to you in just a minute here as we wrap up our block on Afghanistan. Uh jeez. And 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 this is yeah, this is I we will be able to take calls after we talk to Mike as well. 
again, especially Afghan vets. We had and Mike Freeman, who called in and had technical difficulties yesterday. If you can join us, we'd appreciate it. We had so many great calls from veterans yesterday. Uh, Aljazeera.com. U.S. freezes Afghan central bank's assets of $9.5 billion. And this is where, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that the fuckery continues. The war crime goes on because what are they doing now? They're stealing money from the people of Afghanistan. Now, I'm, I'm hopeful the money will be turned over to the Taliban. Never thought I'd say that before. I'm hopeful that this $9.5 billion will be turned over to the Taliban. But yes, uh, any central bank assets that the Afghan government has in the U.S. will not be available to the Taliban, the government said. The U.S. has frozen nearly $9.5 billion in assets belonging to the Afghan central bank and stopped shipments of cash to the nation as it tries to keep a Taliban-led government from accessing the money. The U.S. said that any central bank assets that the Afghan government has in the U.S. will not be available to the Taliban, which remains on the Treasury Department's sanctions designation list. As in preferred victims of our bullying. L.A. Times at Yahoo.com for the Taliban a victory for other jihadis and inspiration. Remember I said we were going to talk about the implications of what's happened? This is the fun one for me, right? Because when Biden said, oh, you need tanks and nukes to overthrow the U.S. military, to, over, to beat the U.S. government, you can't do it with AK-47s and RPGs. It was a scene that once seemed unthinkable. A dour-looking Taliban fighter, his AK-47 on the desk before him, his comrades by his side in the ornate office formerly occupied by Afghan President Ashraf Ghani, who had fled the country hours before. For the Taliban, those images from Sunday night when the group's fighters advanced from the provinces and breached the presidential palace in Kabul culminated in a lightning takeover of the country after two decades of grinding combat against the U.S. and its allies. For other jihadi groups, it was nothing less than an inspiration. You think about the Arab Spring, right? As much as that was a very manipulated, controlled, violent series of transfers of power. What we are seeing now in Afghanistan is a lot closer to the righteous overthrowing of an empire. And what I see in this inspiration narrative is the potential for it to be the thread of the sweater unraveling. That sweater, the American military empire, militarism itself, could be very exciting for the Taliban of victory for other jihadis and in inspiration. Do I have to be a jihadi to be inspired by the Taliban? Can't I just be an American freedom fighter? Thehill.com after Kabul, China exploits perceptions of American weakness. Just going to read the first quote from this. This is from uh, the Communist Party's Global Times on Monday, hours after the Taliban captured Kabul. Um, quote, if the U.S. cannot even secure a victory in a rivalry with small countries, how much better could it do in a major power game with China? It cannot win a war anymore. And this wasn't a war. It was never a war. And we're calling it a war, being inclusive. That's really a good de-escalation of the term, making it that inclusive of sort sort of lower scale escalations because 
Was it a war? No, it was an invasion and an occupation. It was a, a bully beating up on a victim for 20 years. So to say that the American government can't win a war, maybe it's, it can't make war, maybe it's can't get away with this kind of criminal bullshit anymore. Fingers crossed, right? Now we go to Twitter for a minute here, and you'll see why we're going to bring this back to Tal- the, the Taliban in Afghanistan. CNET.com, Twitter is testing a way to report misleading tweets. Misinformation is still a big problem on social networks. And of course, you know, we reject this premise that there should be that kind of censorship because next thing you know, it's like, well, you couldn't tell that it was a joke. No, you don't want to promote censorship as a way to fight misinformation. You want to promote critical thinking, but they don't want to do that because, you know, if you want to report everything that's a misleading tweet, pretty much at what Joe Biden says, you know, we intend to do this, we intend to do that. You're going to see people flagging shit as being misleading for everything they disagree with for all sorts of political trolling purposes. Now, this is an experimental thing from Twitter. I don't think it's going to stick. I'm glad that the experiment is happening, even though I think it's 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 a bad one, because it's going to destroy this idea that social media platforms should try to be arbiters of truth, that any kind of censorship intervention should be anything other than there's an immediate threat or someone is using our platform for fraud. That's not never really what we're talking about here. So to Mediaite.com, to wrap up our block on Afghanistan today. No, we're not going to talk about the Babylon Bee story saying that Trump has come back to Twitter disguised as a Taliban spokesman. Oh, my God. No, this is real. Oh, my God. The headline from Mediaite.com. Really? Twitter says Taliban spokesman. The Babylon Bee is a parody website, dear. Oh. Twitter, media, not, but, media, but Mediaite is not. Mediaite is not. This is the real headline. This is the real headline. Oh, <laughs> and I know. I know Mike Adams is going to have something to say about this, but we have more important things to talk about. Here it is. Here it is. Mediaite.com. Twitter says Taliban spokesman will be allowed to remain if he doesn't get too violent. Now, one of the things I love is too violent. If he doesn't get too violent, he just violently beat the United States military in a fucking war, right? Can you, geez, Twitter, and I see, here's the standard. This experiment with censorship kind of forces an examination of what censorship is good and and what is bad and who really should be censored. And eventually, eventually, if you're going to have this scrutiny, you're going to have to turn it on the U.S. government too. Wait, who, who, who decides what's a terrorist organization? The CIA, the FBI, the U.S. military? Yeah. We'll come to an objective standard eventually. Don't hold your breath. It's going to be a while. The regime of social media censorship will continue for at least quite some time, as long as we live in this paradigm of corporate-controlled, government-submissive social media censorship. And uh, our guest today knows, uh, knows a lot about that firsthand. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is none other than the health ranger himself, Mike Adams. It's an honor to have him join us. It has been way too long since we've spoken together on the air, especially in this COVID era. And of course, Mike uh, is is famous. And now, now at the next level since COVID, infamous 
with all the censorship that he has faced and all of the good work that he has done challenging. I, I call it the COVID mythology, but Mike has, has done, uh, I mean, the incredible work of getting in to the, the, the research necessary. I've always respected his intellectual integrity and his ability to cut through the nonsense and, and do the hard work. And, and I, the only thing I, I, I've ever wanted to criticize him for is, is what some people would call sensationalism. But it's because what he does is he digs into the government documents. He digs into the details and he points out the possibilities of what they're working towards and puts it in a headline. And when you do that, people go, well, that's sensational. Well, because it is deserving of that kind of sensational coverage to call attention to what the government is trying to do. So Mike uh, is, is the editor, of course, naturalnews.com, his main website, and uh, one of the most trafficked, uh, the most trafficked natural news, natural health news site on the web, uh, but also possibly the most censored at this point. And uh, Mike, I, there's so many big questions I want to get into with you. Of course, my platform is always at your service. Mike, welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? Well, thank you, Adam. Hey, it is great to join you. It has been too long. I got to do this more. It's probably my fault, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be with you here today. So happy to cover anything you want, including the true, truly uh, wild, sensational headlines of uh, some things we've discovered over the last few days with uh, interviews and such. Uh, uh, I think there's going to be some mind-blowing stuff here. Well, I, maybe there's there's a good progression I want to suggest here from from your understanding of COVID. And I, and I would start with, you know, what do you think are the most underreported stories to what do we do about it? And then what are the bigger challenges we're facing relating to your social media censorship? So, uh, you know, our, our, we've covered COVID fairly thoroughly. And like I said, it, it's it's a mythology that's being falsely presented by the authorities as a tool of social control, manipulation, and so on. So I think we're, we're pretty well set on that. But uh, what in that bigger understanding do you think is most important uh, for us to take away from your understanding and research? And what are the most underreported aspects of COVID? Sure, well, thank you. Well, what's the most astonishing to me is that the beliefs of the public about vaccines and COVID and so on, they don't just run contradictory to what, what I might believe or what a lot of these independent doctors and scientists might say. They run contradictory to what the CDC itself says. For example, yeah. the CDC openly admits that these vaccines do not stop transmission. They do not stop infection. Those are not even claims made by the yeah. CDC nor the FDA nor the drug companies. And yet the average normie American who is completely oblivious and is committing vaccine suicide, in my view, by the way, they will tell you that they heard from an authoritative mm. source that the vaccines halt transmission and halt uh, infections. Uh, that None of that is even claimed by the authorities. So what's astonishing to me is, for example, I can text someone who's taken a vaccine, uh, an Associated Press article, to say, well, Associated Press now confirms that there's going to be a third booster shot approved by the authorities in the United States. And uh, this third booster shot will, of course, eventually be mandated. And then there'll be a fourth shot and a fifth shot. Right, right. But then that person will say back to me something like, well, I just don't believe what you believe. And I'm so what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm texting you Associated yeah. Press. Isn't that got yeah. nothing to do with me? But it's a, a Adam, it's a, 
it's a cult mentality. Yes. Uh, it, it's a, yes. it's a death cult, really is what it is. And you can't no no amount of evidence, no amount of real facts or even just direct observations of what's happening will intrude in the psyche of these uh, cult members. Yes. Yes, I want to just underscore that and restate it as the as the perfect answer to my question. We say what's the most underreported story of COVID? It's the psychological phenomena of fear that has been implanted by the authorities that started with raising the fear specter of this deadly virus killing millions, right? And now it's entrenched with a cult mentality of fervent adherence to the, not not even the authorities, uh, what they're saying, but the authoritarian mythology and subservience to fear of COVID above all else. Worship fear of COVID. That is the call of the cult, right? Now, yes. Mike, I, I, I want to get back to your general story, but I do want to challenge you just a little bit on, you said average normie understanding only about 50% of the population has gotten the shot. That's got to be encouraging, right? That not everybody's bought into this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's And especially it's interesting that among black Americans, it's only about one out of four who have taken the vaccine, which brings up some very disturbing uh, racial profiling aspects when you talk about door-to-door uh, -door visits or the CDC's internment camps which they've announced. That's not sensationalism. It's on the CDC website. We can go through that. They talk about ripping people out of their homes, essentially isolating them. They talk about the mental trauma that they will cause when they imprison people in, in so-called green zones. They're going to target black Americans, okay? Because that's primarily who is unvaccinated more than any other ethnic group in the country. And also when it comes to vaccine passports and, and cities and so-called authorities like New York City saying, well, you can't eat here if you're unvaccinated, uh, that's like going, that's a throwback to the 1950s or 60s when there were signs in the window that said, you know, coloreds can't eat at this cafe or you can't yeah. ride the bus or whatever. That's what it's coming to now. And somehow mm. what's fascinating to me is that the liberal left is completely okay with racism if it's carried out under the cult of scientism. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well, there, there's, a, there's a counter dynamic to that that I think is important in, in the rest of us looking to the black community for a, for a sense of leadership in this role, uh, because I think a lot of this is driven by skepticism of health authorities by black Americans for whom the history of Tuskegee is all too present. That's right, yeah. And it's not just Tuskegee. Remember that it was black soldiers who were used for medical experiments. It's black prisoners who've been used over, we're talking about 150 years of medical experiments. Uh, heck, uh, Obama had to publicly apologize when it was found that the NIH was funding medical experiments on Guatemalan prisoners. Uh, that it was from you know many many decades ago, but it came out during the Obama administration. He had to apologize. Look, the the U.S. government is a medical terrorism organization. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. The United States yeah. government. Now you want to talk about the Taliban or or you know terrorists in the Middle East? Hey. How about terrorists right here in America that are yeah. unleashing biological yeah. weapons against their own people and even mandating soldiers be injected with a bioweapon? That's that's treason. That's terrorism. These are crimes against humanity. So, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm no expert on the Taliban, so don't ask me questions about the Middle East, but I can sure talk <laughs> about terrorism right here in the vaccine industry. Yeah, no. And, and just to have a sense of that scale is so important when they want us to be afraid of the Taliban, they want to demonize them. And you don't have to be an expert to go, 
even if all of the worst things you're saying about them are true, insignificant compared to the evils of the American government. So, Mike, given your technical background on this, uh, what do you think are the key things to understand about the virus, the vaccines, the science that the the, the cult worshippers claim to to respect so much that isn't in, in the mainstream narrative right now? Well, just to provide some background to your to your listeners, I've interviewed over a hundred medical scientists and experts in the last twelve months. Mm. Uh, I, I myself own and run a, a an ISO accredited analytical science, a food science laboratory with mass spec instruments. You know, I, I hold two patents. I'm a published scientist in uh, liquid chromatography and so on. I mean, I've got legit science credentials. And so, what astonished me the most about all of this. Remember when people were saying early on last year, you would hear from people like uh, John Rappaport and others who said, hey, there is no virus. And uh, Dr. Thomas Cowan was saying, was saying that and so on. I was really, really skeptical at the time. Turns out what, what I discovered is that there are no certified reference materials of this so-called COVID-19 virus that are isolated materials. Now, it's important to understand when you run a test for something in a laboratory, you always have to have certified reference materials. They're called CRMs. So if I'm testing for glyphosate, I have to have a vial of glyphosate that's NIST traceable, that's a known quantitation or concentration, might be 1,000 micrograms per milliliter or, or whatever it is. Or if I'm testing for lead, I have to have lead in solution with a known concentration. Well, when they're testing for COVID, Adam, with these fraudulent PCR tests, not only do they have no reference materials to calibrate their instruments or to validate their tests, but we learned from CDC documents that the entire PCR test protocol that's been used for this entire thing was created without ever having a physical mm -hmm. sample of COVID to begin with. Huh. They simulated it. They wow. simulated okay, so Mike, no, hold on, Mike, Mike, I want I need to ask a clarifying question here because yeah. To some people, this might sound like, and the way you worded it for a second, was like, wait, wait, the virus isn't real? There's no virus here? You're a COVID no, denier? That. And that's no. not what you're saying, right? But because you're saying that there's no clear definition, but but the implication here is then that they're using a loose definition to what? To include a whole bunch of normal flu viruses right. and that there is no distinct COVID virus. So, so you're rejecting the lab leak theory because what you're saying is that there there isn't a distinct even DNA strain that could be uh, tagged to a laboratory source. No, uh, actually, I mean, thank you for your very uh, intelligent questions there. You, you obviously understand this very well. Uh, there's not a novel coronavirus. What's happened is this is a relabeled uh, stew of other common coronaviruses or ah. viruses that were in previous flu vaccines. They, some of them are monkey viruses. Some of them are human viruses. Now, the, the bioweapon is real because that's the payload, the, the so-called spike protein. I call it the payload that's attached to the outer shell of the viral mechanism. So what they did is they took old common coronaviruses that have been around 20 plus years. Then they built a, a payload of a biological weapon that was developed in Wuhan with USA funding, but it originated in DARPA, by the way. This is a US biological weapon that was then augmented in China under the CCP. But the virus underneath it all, the viral, the, the replicating viral mechanism is not novel and it's not COVID-19, it's just common coronavirus. So people are getting sick. Something is circulating that's making people sick, 
but people are getting sick mostly from, in my view, vaccine adverse reactions because they're being injected yeah. with spike protein. So the yeah, no, okay, hold on. So, so just so you're saying that the, they now I, I, a lot of follow up questions. I do want to kind of yeah. feel like we wrap up the science and move to the practical fighting this cult, right? Or how do we get people out of the cult? Um, but but I think I do have to have at least a basic understanding of, of what you're saying. And I, so I want to ask one, as, as a sort of premise question, how much of this from you is speculative versus, no, we got the smoking gun, absolutely, we know for 100%. And is what you're saying that there were multiple existing flu coronaviruses out there that they engineered the same spike protein on? And so they basically have made all flu viruses in the world or a bunch of different flu vi viruses more deadly? Uh, okay, yes, I'll, uh, and thank you for, for asking for that, for that uh, clarification. So uh, my sources include Dr. Judy Mikovits, who worked mm -hmm. at Fort Detrick, Maryland, who actually ran the, what are called the 96 well plate tests. And she even names the well plate number E6 that was used by Fauci as a starting point for the Wuhan Institute of Virology gain of function research. So E6 was a, a combination of common flu viruses and cold viruses. And, and, and she knows exactly the origin and she's not the only source. I've interviewed Dr. Richard Fleming and many, many other experts in this area. Okay. So, so, so my, uh, I have, my source is a firsthand source in that area and she's uh, a, a virologist. Now, uh, it is, it is a fact that PCR instruments are not quantitative instruments. So anyone who runs PCR knows they can never tell you how much of something is being found uh, from the original sample. So you, they don't know how much of a viral load anyone has. And, and furthermore, it is a fact that most of the sequences, the, the genetic material sequences that are being run in these PCR instruments are simply downloaded from the CDC's website or other similar websites. They are digital libraries. So these PCR instruments are almost never calibrated against physical samples. And, and furthermore, it is, it's a fact, Adam, that when there are companies that sell materials that they call isolates of COVID-19, they call it that, Ooh, right. and what they mean is it's been isolated. In, in one case, for example, it's, it's a sample of snot. It's snot, it's lung phlegm taken from a woman who got off a flight from China in February of 2020, who was uh, symptomatic and therefore was diagnosed or labeled as having COVID. They took her snot and they called it COVID, and then they grew that in bovine serum, and uh, you know, cow, cow blood. And then if you buy that sample that's called an isolate, there's a disclaimer and labs know where to buy these things. There's a disclaimer that says you should never use this to develop a vaccine because most of the genetic material in this snot sample is actually human cells and cow mm -hmm. cells, not any virus. So when they say it's an isolate, it isn't. And that's a fact and anyone can verify that. So uh, I Okay, so so Mike, I want to go I want to yeah, I want to go to the implications of the lab leak theory cuz for people like you and me who uh, don't want government to have any role in controlling our health at all, none of these institutions that are behind any of this should exist in the first place, right? Like right. do we so so the, to me I go what's the importance of, like was it developed in the lab or was it natural? doesn't matter. I still don't want the CDC to exist. 
But to the normies, it's an important point to say this evil might have actually come from government. Um, aside from that, what is the significance of the, the virus being made in a lab or or rather you would say weaponized engine? And is it correct to understand that the adding of the spike protein was to make it just somewhat more deadly? And if that's the case, is the virus that much more of a threat to the general population? Well, the, the, let, me, let me answer that last part first. The goal of the spike protein was always to have a high transmissivity, but low mortality. Okay. So they want gotcha. to kill people slowly uh, yeah. through blood clots and through neurological damage over time. So in other words, they didn't want people taking vaccines to, to fall over and die immediately, even though we believe hundreds of thousands of Americans have already died. But that's a mistake. They, my understanding from the experts I've interviewed is that they wanted to engineer this to, to create the fear of a pandemic in order to drive people into the vaccines where they could be directly injected with the spike protein. Okay, but, let, let me interject some quick numerical questions, though. They say yeah. 600 million died globally from COVID. What do you think that number is for in, in reality? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's hard to say, but maybe maybe uh, one-tenth, perhaps, okay. of that. I, I think we're very rapidly approaching a time right now where vaccine deaths are exceeding any deaths, legitimate deaths from COVID. And uh, sadly, the vaccine deaths are only going to accelerate, especially as we move into the winter months with low vitamin D. But your your first point, I think, is the most important, which is that, yes, government is the source of this. And they, they rely on dual-use explanations because biological weapons development is illegal under the United States, has been for, since the late 1980s, I believe, but vaccine development is still allowed. So they can develop biological weapons by calling them, uh, calling it vaccine research, and that's exactly what they did. And also there's all, an effort to offshore the research. So the U.S. runs laboratories in Africa. And the U.S. then partners with the communist Chinese to run uh, to fund this laboratory in Wuhan. And so so now by by exporting the biological weapons research, in effect, the United States government has transferred the intellectual property of bioweapons to America's mm. you know, strategic enemies. You might say the communist Chinese. And, and so in well, essence, they all serve the same globalist masters. You know that. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, anytime the government is involved in research at all, they control the purse strings of who gets grants, who gets funding, and which science labs are shut down because they're not following the narrative. So government should never be involved in science, period. Should not be involved whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, I mean, government should be uh, perhaps, if anything, you know, 1% of its current size and just cover very basic functions, like maybe deliver the mail, and they're horrible at that. Well, so Mike, you know what I say? Size doesn't matter. Consent is what's important. Uh, good point. Uh, so, uh, can you do can you do what you just did for the virus and in, in that big picture for the vaccines as well? What's the most misunderstood or sort of underreported story about the vaccines, and the most practical takeaways for uh, for our audience? Sure. Well, I, I would say number one, people's perception is that vaccines prevent transmission and that they prevent infection. They do not. It's not even claimed that they do. The second point is that people think a vaccine is a small dose. So I've heard a lot of people argue, uh, even, even people who are uh, big in the uh, crypto industry, who, who are otherwise high IQ individuals, they would argue that, well, they want a controlled small dose 
so they can build immunity to that. Well, they're forgetting that there are other ingredients in the vaccine that are not just this virus. And they're also forgetting right. that even a small dose is 50 trillion nanoparticles. It's not small, not small at all. It's a, it's a massive dose. And that's why some people are dying from it. And then thirdly, when spike proteins, remember the, the, the vaccines contain spike proteins, which are biological weapons, even the Salk Institute, which is a mainstream pro-vaccine nonprofit group named after Jonas Salk, the inventor of vaccines, the Salk Institute has come out publicly and said, uh, we study the spike protein and it damages all healthy cells in the vascular system. Mm -hmm. So it's creating uh, damage to, the, to your heart. It's creating damage to all your blood vessels and all your capillaries. And it's cutting off blood supply in some people who are prone to blood clots. Uh, people who have poor dietary habits, for example, people who eat a lot of fried foods or who may have genetic predisposition. Uh, one woman in Michigan had to have both legs amputated because of the blood clots and her hands are being mm. amputated as well. She's a healthcare worker. So uh, death is actually not the worst thing you can endure from this vaccine. You can lose your hands, you can lose your feet, you can lose your mind. You can suffer through pain without dying. And no one's being told this. Informed consent is not being given to people. Uh, doctors are forcing this or trying to coerce people into this. So, you know, I mean, Adam, you talk about consent. Here's here's a, an area where there's really no informed yeah. consent. No one's being told the truth and being given a choice. Hey, do you want to accept these risks for this almost zero benefit? No one's being asked that question. They're just being told, take it, take it, take it, you cult member. You know, that's it. For the people who still believe that COVID is a unique biological threat or, and I don't, excuse me, a, it is a unique, bio, a significant biological threat that would warrant uh, a, a medical response on scale with the risks of the vaccine, right? Because they, I'm playing, playing COVID advocate here. They'll say, well, Mike, I, I get it. Yes, there are bad things with the vaccine, but well, it gives me, they're going to respect, I'm going to be more respected by the authorities. I'm going to have a little more travel freedom and my rights will be respected more. And, you know, it's not that big a risk. And, and I know it's not perfect, but, you know, it still, it still lessens my risk of getting COVID or at least from what they say, it looks like it makes it less likely that I'm going to die from COVID. It'll be less severe. One sentence or one, one point, what do you think is the most convincing argument to convince someone to not get the vaccine? who's of that mentality. Well, most of the arguments you just made there on, on behalf of them are obedience arguments. They want yeah. their freedom. And so they wish to comply with whatever it is. They're not interested in the science. They're interested in obedience. And so my, I would say to them, at what point will your obedience be sufficient for them to let you free? And the answer is never. You comply now, mm -hmm. there's going to be a third booster shot. You comply with a third shot, it's going to be a fourth. Now, here's, here's something critical, Adam. People who take the vaccines are terrified of being labeled anti-vaxxers, and they're terrified of falling into the category of unvaccinated because then they would lose their freedoms and their status in society. Well, guess right. what? If you ever say no to booster shots, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, right. whatever, yeah. then you will lose the status of all the vaccines you've taken so far because they wear out. I know a doctor who's in, uh, uh, well, he's a PhD doctor, but he's also in medical school in New York City. He decided to take the vaccine on purpose with 
a, a, a lot of nutritional protection. He knows nutrition. He's going to be okay, I believe. There are ways to protect yourself. So he got the vaccine. He got the, I think it's called the Excelsior Pass. And he sent me a screenshot mm. of it on his mobile device. Guess what? Vaccine expires in one year. Mm. So you have one, a one-year leash on your so-called freedom. <laughs> That's not freedom, is it? That gets to the bigger question I want to ask you, because as much as, you know, I, I it, and I know we have different takes on Trump and the significance there. And if you want to bring that into it, you're, you're welcome to, of course. Uh, but and, and, and I, last time we talked about what, what I described as my libertarian optimism, you seemed a little more agnostic about the fate of humanity in light of all of these major issues. Um but I, I think we're definitely in agreement that we need to fight this now. We need to take people out of the cult of COVID. So how well, do we do this? Because we, we, we have to address, I think, as you very wisely pointed out there, that those are obedience arguments. How do right. we? So, so it's not do you obey or not. It's do you do things? Do you live your life based on what you want to do and what is right or what you are told to do? And and maybe there's there's something maybe we take COVID as the opportunity to fix this problem once and for all. I don't know. Where do you want to see us go from here? Well, as long as people are willing to comply, then of course there will always be tyrants willing to rule over them. So uh, compliance, the, the willingness of the sheeple to comply, is what's perpetuating this. But let me paint a picture of where this is going if we don't stop it, because you may not have discussed this yet. This is extraordinary. If you understand that the presence of one genetic sequence of so-called COVID in the body of one person who is asymptomatic, someone who's not sick, that then they are labeled a case and then that's used to deprive them of their job or to shut down a city or in the case of New Zealand, to shut down an entire country. Adam, if, if this same approach is applied to other microbes such as measles, Everybody is carrying measles viral particles all the time. Everybody is carrying fragments of other flu strains all the time. And even diseases that might sound really, really scary. You're carrying those particles all the time. Why aren't you sick? Because your body it, it coexists with these and they're not replicating out of control. They're not killing you. But if we change the definition of sickness to be that you have one detectable particle of one fragment of a measles virus or a polio virus or whatever, then Adam, the entire world will be shut down permanently. No one will, will be allowed to work or leave their homes or, or go to church or do anything or shop for food ever. And, and that's what they're applying to COVID. Well, they're going to expand that if you let them, if the people let them. At some point, you have to push back and say, this is absurd. You're shutting down an entire nation, New, Ze New Zealand, because one person tested positive with a fraudulent PCR test, even though they have no symptoms, when, when are New Zealanders ever going to be free? And the answer is never. And they gave up their guns after the staged mosque shooting a few years ago as well. So now they don't even have a Second Amendment-like response. <laughs> so they're, they're gone unless they, they push back against this. It sounds like you're almost making the argument against the thoroughness of all of your work here, Mike, because you're saying, let's stand on simple ethical principles that it, no matter what science they throw at us, it doesn't matter if it's legitimate or not, none of it justifies 
any violation of individual rights. Uh, well, quick, yeah. Well, no, no, you're you're correct. I am, I am saying that no medical emergency or science emergency, even if it were a real emergency, and this isn't, even yeah. if it were real, it doesn't override individual rights and liberties. There's, there's nowhere in the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or the Word of God that, that says that uh, just because some fraudulent health authorities claim that somebody across the country is infected, therefore your rights suddenly collapse. No. Why are people yeah. accepting that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, question from the audience on Odyssey. Glad that we have people uh, on that platform. Uh, uh, how many of the of the elites do you think got a placebo when they said they were getting the vaccine? Almost all of them. Yeah, that 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 question is right on. They're not taking the real shot. All right. Another follow up from Elizabeth Altaris on Odyssey. People want to be accepted by the tribe. So they go along with some bad stuff. It's like gangs. Who make new members kill people or hazing by frats, etc. Yeah, Mike, you want to speak to that sort of indoctrination nature of the cult? Uh, it's like we're running a giant Milgram experiment on society where some people are given the ability to torture others. Some people are given special status with vaccine passports. And then they are taught to hate those who are unvaccinated. And then they, they are abusing their power. I mean, you've seen, how many people have you seen online say they wish unvaccinated people would die? But yeah, um, I've never seen an unvaccinated person wishing death upon the vaccinated. They're, they're trying the unvaccinated people are trying to save the lives of the vaccinated. So the, the cruelty is coming out. That's for sure. And it's among those who are the most obedient. Isn't that interesting? Those yeah. who now, defer Mike, to I, authority want to wield it. Mike, I, I know your time's really valuable. If, if, you, if you have something you have to go to, I understand. But I, I want to give you a chance to really share your perspective on where we go from here. And I want to promote some of your work specifically first. Uh, you have an email signup at naturalnews.com. And your bait for the email signup is your nine-hour audio manifesto, the Global Reset Survival Guide. And I first want to say props on a couple of things. That's how you're supposed to use email signup bait. Yes, you did it right. A lot of people screw that up. I've done it wrong in the past. You did it right. It's a great way to get people involved and give them something of value for joining your email list, which I know is a critical part for a lot of people in independent media, getting around the censorship of big tech. Uh, I'm, I'm a couple hours into it. Uh, I do plan on finishing it. Uh, wow. And the Global Reset Survival Guide that you put out is based on a, an important part of your work uh, because I, I, if, if in my mind, I see you as, as having sort of three areas of, of, of focus, you know, one being, you know, all the, the direct health advice and practical stuff, uh, one being the sort of overarching political stuff, and the other being the, the protect yourself, survival, lifestyle kind of thing. And, and you did an incredible job putting that in context with what's going on right now and empowering people. So uh, I want to give you a chance to promote that, to speak to that, but also how that relates to, you know, what you're trying to motivate, inspire your audience to do right now. Well, well thank you for mentioning that. And I, I have another audiobook that's also free. Uh, you can download all the MP3 files directly to your device, and that's at survivalnutrition.com. So that talks about using uh, foods and superfoods and herbs and molecules to survive what what is clearly coming, at least in my view. And to answer your question, Adam, I, look, they've already injected 2.5 billion people around the world, about a third of the world's population, 
has taken this bioweapons injection. In the United States, it's about 200 million people, according to the CDC, although they may be exaggerating that somewhat. Uh, nevertheless, I believe that over the next three winters, we are going to see tens of millions of Americans uh, dying from these vaccines. Some may be neurological deaths, some may be uh, cardiovascular cancer, autoimmune deaths, and so on. But we're also going to, going to see a lot of injured people still living, who I call the walking dead, the neurological mm. damage uh, made into mm. uh, autistic, uh, severe autism adults, actual brain damage, they cannot care for themselves. The, uh, from the experts I've spoken to, including uh, Dr. Chris Shaw of the University of British Columbia, the, the medical systems of the world will collapse very soon because of now, the hold burden on, of Mike, the I, I'm sorry to interrupt again because I have some personal experience with this. It's very emotional yeah. for me. Yes. Um, but the way you said it, even to me, sounds a little sensationalistic, whereas I might relate that to people and bring it down a little bit more by saying, we're going to have a surge of older people with strokes who need to be taken care of because their brains don't work fully because uh, a clot has just fully interrupted brain function. And they're going to be now a, a significant sector of society, people in those kinds of circumstances. Well, it's going to be younger people in this case as well. It turns out uh, you've heard the, the effect called antibody dependent enhancement, which is uh, an immune system overreaction to subsequent infections. And this happens among those who were vaccinated. Well, uh, in the Journal of Infection, a new paper was just recently published that proves the mechanism of antibody dependent enhancement is in fact active. Uh, in those who took the, the first vaccines uh, as they're exposed to other so-called variants like Delta or even common coronaviruses. So the young people have the most active immune systems. We're mm. going to see a wave of neurological, uh, well, brain damage and cardiovascular damage in people in their 20s and 30s. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So, so the, the medical system will be overwhelmed probably by January you know, just this coming January, it's going to be extremely difficult to get medical care for anything that might be considered routine. Or if someone, you know, might go in for, I don't know, heart bypass surgery or what have you, those resources are not going to be readily available. And the other problem is that vaccines have been mandated among medical staff by many hospitals and, and many yeah. states even. So doctors and nurses and healthcare workers themselves will be dying and they will be injured from this vaccine, uh, obviously then reducing you know, those human resources that are available. So uh, the bottom line is th th uh, this is the most important time in the history of our lives to get healthy and not need yeah. a hospital <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, and to think for yourself is, is so important yeah. and just a general human quest to be healthy. Like you cannot, you literally cannot be healthy if you're not thinking for yourself enough to at least understand your own body in some way. Um, Mike, I, I want to ask one last big question to, to, to kind of tie things all together, of course, give you a chance for any last thoughts or promotions or anything else. This raises a lot of scary prospects that I, I've kind of avoided, honestly, because I, I take uh, a relatively benign view of government compared to a lot of libertarians in the sense that it's it's more about incompetence and fear and insecurity than massive conspiratorial evil. But I'm very much being challenged in that mentality right now because I am seeing, and, and, and even then I want to go, well, 
it's more a conspiracy of conspiracies responsible for this dark cloud hanging over all of our heads. It's not just Bill Gates or a handful. But then you go, wait, BlackRock, Vanguard, these two holding companies own more than half of big pharma and and the mainstream media in America. And you go, well, there's got to be some scarier agenda here besides the typical motivators that I consider the animating forces of government. And I have to acknowledge that there, there's got to be something else here in the realm of either population control or uh, some other large scale manipulation. What's the bigger, what's the bigger agenda that we're up against, Mike? Well, well, you're not wrong that there is extreme incompetence throughout every government, every government (laughs) of the world is led by the I haven't lost my faith in that. Yeah. Right. But what we have now is that incompetence mixed with a, a global uh, genocidal aim. Uh, it, it is a, a coordinated global effort to try to mass murder most of the human population. Now, the good and, and th- yes, that's my opinion. That's my view from interviewing 100 plus experts, sure. looking at the evidence and so on. Some people don't want to believe it. Some people say, well, that sounds too scary. But, you know, well, part define, of my... define, define genocide. Because that genocide is a sensationalistic term that some people would say, oh, they want to murder everybody except a thousand and that's what's going to be left. Um, but that's not what you mean. So, Well, no, I mean, I mean genocide against the human race. They want to rid the world of the vast majority of humans currently living today. And you think this that, is it? This is how they're doing it? They're, this, they're, this, they're, this is the absolutely how they're doing it. Because right. they, they've been able to disguise this as, as a public health campaign for vaccines. But but look, part of my my social contract on the freedom front is that I'm not responsible for people's emotions. So if yeah. I'm laying out something that it, that someone finds scary, well, you know, they need to m- maybe have ha- have read history or something because scary things happen again and again and again, and we don't uh, survive them by denying that they're happening. We survive them by uh, you know, being aware, but also being prepared. That's why I'm all I'm into preparedness and, and so on. You, you, you probably notice, Adam, I, mean, I don't run around you know, freaking out in hysteria. I'll tell people the truth about what I think is coming, but I'll also say, here's how we can make it through. And I've always said, I believe humanity wins. And I, I think they will, the globalists will fail in their efforts to kill 90% of the human population. I do believe they'll kill perhaps a billion people. Wow, I think they okay. will. And so that's like one seventh or one eighth of, right. of the current population. They will probably do that. And and the, the blue cities in America are going to be mass death zones. There are going to be apartment buildings so populated, well, not even populated, so filled with dead bodies that are colonized with spike protein that cities won't even be able to hire rescue crews to remove the dead bodies and they'll have to uh, tear down entire buildings because no one will go in. Would you want to carry dead bodies with spike protein uh, out of out of apartments you know, for right. any amount of money? No, no way. So I'm telling people what I believe is the truth about what's coming, but I also think humanity prevails on the other side of this. Yeah. And I think, I think there will be war crimes tribunals against mm. these people like Fauci. And, and, and this is confirmed with many of the contacts, people I've interviewed, like the, the German uh, attorney, Reiner Fulmich, and his team working on this. And a lot of people are going to be prosecuted, but I'm not waiting for that. I'm going to survive this, and I'm going to help people survive it no matter what. Uh, there, there are means to do it. We don't have to die. We don't have to go along with this. We don't have to be obedient death slaves to, you know, to their system. We're going to live, and then we're going to, we're going to push hard 
to rebuild a society rooted on individual liberties where no government ever has the right to do what they just did to us. You know, Mike, I'm tempted to just end the interview and be like, and that's it, everybody. They're trying to kill us all. Good night. Peace, love. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, that seems a little seems a little abrupt. I, if you don't mind, because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking even if I did that, I would go, I really got to ponder this. You know, I'm, I, I got to do a little soul search in here to go, really, why, why have I not given this specter the full credence it deserves? Can you help me with that? Well, I I don't I, I really don't I don't know. I mean, you uh, as much as anybody, you understand the depths of evil to which government is capable, so you know they're capable of it. Uh, whether they're yeah. actually doing it or not, uh, I, I guess I would say just watch the next eight months. You know, you're it's going to become very evident, I believe. And uh, you know, if, if I'm wrong about that. Uh, I'm I'm willing to accept that I've corrected myself on on previous issues about this whole pandemic, and I'm I'm willing to be corrected again. But I would rather err on the side of caution here. What happens if we lose uh, tens of millions of Americans in the next year or or two years or three years? What happens to you know the the economy when we we stay locked down? I mean, look, they're printing trillions of fiat currency dollars, trillions by the month now. It seems you know you you know about real money. That system can't last. At some point, it collapses. The dollar collapses. What do you think? What happens then? It might be worse than any pandemic. <laughs> Most people are just, they're not prepared with anything outside of dollars. And, and that's another kind of cult, you know, this cult-like belief in, in the central banks. I mean, 50 years since mm -hmm. Nixon took us off the gold standard, the dollar's right. lost 98%. How do you think this ends, folks? Right? It ends in total collapse of the dollar. You know, it's chaos. funny. I posted, yeah, no, I, I posted a meme recently that I think it said statism, the irrational belief that institutions which have consistently committed evil throughout history are just magically not doing it today. Right. And exactly. I, in a way, I it's funny because I'm calling this out, and yet I'm realizing that I, I must call myself out in a very similar way. And I think as much as people look to me as an example, as an activist, as a fighter, uh, I have to stop and listen to someone as, as wise as yourself deliver this message in, in, in a way. I've always praised you for your demeanor, your ability to deliver these ideas with a, a measured poise. And maybe I just needed to hear it that way to recognize the, the, the significance of what we are facing right now as a, as a global human family and what it means that I am called on to do, because I feel like, well, fuck, I, I'm just going to sit here and do a podcast. That's my, that's my role. I'm going to take care of myself and my family and have a homestead. And that's my response to all of this feels inadequate. Well, maybe I'm I've had the same question too. No, I've had the same internal conversation. What more can we do? But I think the honest answer, Adam, is that there's not much more we can do until a lot more people realize what's happening to them. And I think that's beginning, but it will really accelerate, I believe, this winter. I think there are going to be so many deaths and so many autopsies showing the spike protein colonization of, of organs and so on that even the medical establishment won't be able to cover it up. We're, we're going to see a mass awakening to this in the, in the next eight to nine months, I believe. But until so, then, 
our options are limited. You know, you can try to educate people. You can try to like, you know, you've been an educator for so many years teaching people about the dangers of government. And if anything has proven you correct, it's this COVID situation. Look, none of this will be happening without government yeah. running it. This is a government operation. Well, governments, plural, of right. the world. This is the U.S. government, the U.K. government, the Chinese government, the Canadian. I mean, on and on. These are governments declaring war against the people of the world. These are governments as terrorists. You know, Mike, for, for the people who are familiar with, with my book and my message and my worldview, one of the important ideas for me is the, the nature of the acceleration of the human experience, the exponential nature of intelligent life itself, I think, and the industrial revolution to the internet, to smartphones, and all this just taking off, human productivity being an exponential function of technology, and that I feel like I'm I'm a unique voice in libertarianism. Libertarianism is someone who connects that bigger, long scale dynamic to what's happening right now in politics. But honestly, I may have been missing a piece. And I want to say thank you for giving me that because in that acceleration, I'm I've been in denial, perhaps, or undervaluing or, or underweighing the the significance of what you point out is is really, and I don't wanna say it's unavoidable. I don't wanna say I'm 100% on board with all of your predictions, but I recognize that they're all really important possibilities to consider, and you might be right on all of them. And that alone means that you're a lot closer to predicting the future than, than anybody else who's looking at this right now. Well, none of our predictions are 100% correct, but everything that I've mentioned here today is plausible and it's rational. It's based yeah. on evidence. It's based on research. And m my main issue with uh, people who are taking the vaccines and denying all of this is that they simply are ignorant. They've never looked at any research. I, I've talked to people and, and I said, why did you take the vaccine? And they say, well, I believe in science. And I, my answer is great. Which science papers have you read recently? None. <laughs> so they, they've, they've not read any science papers. And if they did, they wouldn't probably be able to parse them. So they don't, they're, they're delusional. They, they say they believe in science, but they don't. So my, my goal is to just try to connect people with information that might challenge their worldview and even information from sources that they themselves believe in, like the CDC or the WHO and so on. You, you know, you'd be astonished at what the CDC openly talks about, like these green zone internment camps. And, and by the way, Adam, and here, you know, here, here's a, a conspiracy theory for you. The, the Green Zone internment camp document that's on the CDC's website, you know, it talks yeah. about isolating families. It talks about increased risk of suicide. It talks about uh, assigning guards who are also prisoners to enforce the other prisoners to not leave the facility. But the document never talks about how healthy people ever leave the facility. It's not covered, not mentioned. Mm. So, you know, you start thinking, well, why would that be? Huh? I'll, you know, viewers can decide for themselves, but... I've, I've parsed the whole diet. It's not even a very long document. You can read it yourself. But they talk about camp sector level uh, enforcement of the green zones. And they also talk about meeting, quote, minimum humanitarian requirements. Ooh, ooh, the joy. You're going you're gonna to have minimum humanitarian standards. That, isn't that wonderful? Uh, they say that means they're going to give you a bar of soap and demand that you clean your own prison cell. It's in the document, yep. folks. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've been there. And, you know, like... Uh... I've seen it. Yeah, we got some great comments, a lot of support, a lot of love from the audience. Mike, 
just want to give you a chance for the last thoughts, anything you want to say to me. I mean, this is, this is awesome. The one thing we didn't get to to make this feel complete was everything they're doing in censorship. And I know you and me could talk about that for hours right. with everything we've experienced. So maybe you want to talk about uh, people being a more conscientious consumer of information and how they can connect with you and, and your message online. Well, you know, I, I publish naturalnews.com, but also brighteon.com, you know, the free speech video mm -hmm. platform and, and uh, we welcome all your videos there, Adam, and and everybody there. And and you know, we don't we don't profile people. We don't discriminate against people's beliefs or or speech there. I mean, we have certain rules. You know, no stalking, no no you know death videos, whatever things like that. But there's all kinds of different viewpoints on there. That's what it's supposed to be. And we've invested a lot, millions of dollars into that platform, and it's growing. And and we're launching Brighton.tv pretty soon next week, actually. So we're just we're just trying to provide a platform for more voices to, to explore more ideas. And yeah, none of us are always 100% right. We, sometimes our predictions are off or, or too early or what have you. I, I thought the dollar would have collapsed before 2021, for example, but here we are. It still hasn't collapsed yet. So, you know, we live and learn, but we come from the right place. We're, we're trying to help humanity be free. And we're not controlled by globalists. We're not funded by globalists. We're not, you know, coerced by them either. We're here fighting for humanity every day. That's what we do. Absolutely. Well said, as always. Mike Adams, ladies and gentlemen, naturalnews.com. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Man, now I'm, now I'm chatting. I really want to go meditate on this. Yeah, here, give me my COVID vitamins. Give me my, get Ant back on stage here. Ant, wow. Ant, did we miss any critical comments? Man, oh, we man, didn't, was, but that was, that was an amazing guest. Yeah, no, I always, Thanks, I, I mean, that I, was awesome. Yeah, I know that talking to Mike Adams is always going to be uh, informative and and empowering. Uh, but to hear him just say genocide, yeah, it's about genocide. And I have to, fuck, yeah, you're, at some level, because I'm, I still want to be skeptical of like, it's a, the, it's a genocide agenda and a conspiracy to commit genocide. And I would still deny that it's a singular conspiracy. Well, but I've heard might... other people mention similar lines of thinking of that, but I've never had or heard anybody say something with, that was so eloquent about how they put it and how they they use actual facts and different things. Like that was, to me, that, that was... It, it was an eye opener, really, when you really think about it, because it is all with it's all reasonable to, to think yeah. that what he said is true is and is happening. It's not unreasonable for any of that to to be the truth. So part of my denial about this has been based on an understanding that governments don't want to kill you if they can exploit you. Right. If there are 10 people. And they can exploit all of you 100%. Why would they kill a single one of you? Now, if they if, if they can only exploit you 50%, but if they kill one of you, then they can exploit the rest 70%. They'll fucking kill the other one because it adds up to more you know exploitation overall, right? That they can suck off of productive people. But when you get to the scale of, of, of wealth and power that these people have today control of limiting the population in some major ways must be at least a part of their agenda and well, then we, yeah we're already they say we're already overpopulated for what we're able to do and they say what in 
in 10 years or, or no, a hundred, a hundred grows in like the UK and their topsoil is going to be completely dead. And they won't be able to uh, supply any of their own food in the UK from over farming. So I'm, I'm still hopeful. And even with, with some of that undeniable evidence that we're talking about a minority within the super class that is sort of actively genocidal. Yeah. Um, that it, you know, and I think of the super class as the several hundred or several thousand most powerful people in the world. I don't understand it enough to cut it off at a few hundred or a few thousand, right? Because I, where, where's there a drop off? It's kind of arbitrary. I don't care. But that the, 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 that group that represents the biggest string pullers in the world. Yeah. But, uh, but even the minority least, controls the majority, though. So I mean, that minority it, is more of a threat than the majority. So within that group, it would be silly to suggest that none of them have any genocidal agenda or inclination, right? And then if you look at what's happening in the world today, it would be absurd to deny that the people making these policies happen at least don't give a fuck about your life. Right. And it would be it would be it would be silly to deny that there's not some connection between genocidal superclass members and covid policy. And so what Mike is saying is that that there is a genocidal agenda here. And the only thing that I want to deny on that is that it's it's not like it's not everybody in the superclass. It's not a singular coordinated overall genocide agenda. But to a certain extent, there is a deliberate genocide agenda that is being carried out right now. To what extent? And, and I'm, I'm with Mike on the optimism for the long run. But I, I really do want to ponder this. I really feel like I personally have to do a little better job of incorporating this into my worldview, that there is that significant portion of the superclass that has a genocidal agenda that is being visibly carried out right now in a major way that in the past might have been just about wars and famines and things like that as a warm-up to this. Now, well, maybe they're right. the minority in the superclass and they'll lose in the long run, but they're still a major fucking threat right now that we need to recognize and address as such. I, I agree. And a um, little known fact about me is I, I do a little sci-fi writing like for fun on the side. And one of the things that I was thinking about writing about was how like this vaccine with the vaccinated, like not now, not in five years, but in 10 years from now has some ridiculous adverse effect that it's caused some kind of global, like not pandemic, but like emergency where the people that were vaccinated are basically mindless zombies and the, the unvaccinated are living in small communities trying to fend off from this this horde basically that are government minded and, and you know, that's sci-fi that's not real, but that's, but when he says something about the, the global genocide agenda being a real thing, that kind of puts that into perspective a little bit, that it might not be that far off from, from sci-fi in 20 years from now, when we see the long-term effects of what the, the, you know, vaccines have actually played a role into. So, see, okay. I mean, so even in that, uh, Mike raises, the specter here of, I mean, them killing us with the vaccines. And, and I think the lockdowns and shutdowns is control, um, you know, killing old people to get them off the dole, so to speak, uh, killing uh, stupid people who can't take care of themselves or navigate lockdown and shutdown, 
killing people who are vulnerable with uh, their health to begin with, with pre-existing conditions. Uh, we've covered stories on the show about a lot of those uh, cure is worse than the disease stories with diabetes now being out of control because people's self-care regimes are failing. And I, what, what, but what Mike presents is the possibility of it happening on a much larger scale. And even with that, I mean, if they get, say, half of America vaccinated and 10% of the people with the vaccine die, that's still only 10% of the popular, 5% of the population, whatever. You get my point. It's not the majority. It's not significant enough, but maybe that's their agenda is it's, it's gotta be a slow kill. We have to put people down easy because if you kill everybody all at once, then, then they figure out what's going on. Yeah. The genocidal, so, was it, what do we call them? The so genocidal members a, of the super class. The there's genocidists. A, there's a, a good name for a band. computer program or video game called like plague Inc or something. And you have to develop a virus and yeah. you have to, you have to make sure it infects people fast enough, but you don't want it to kill everybody too fast because then they make the cure too fast and you know you have to infect them at a certain rate and kill them all at a certain rate and the they actually took it off of marketplace for a while during covid because they were like oh my gosh uh so anyways you have to infect people at a certain rate and they all have to die you know once you get everybody infected and then you create an enzyme or whatever that causes almost instant death but everybody's already infected at that point everybody instantly dies and when when he talks about that i mean it literally sounds like something out of one of these playbooks that that have been in video games for, for yeah. forever, you know, when they're yeah, putting no, that and protein in everybody, then they can activate that protein at will for all the people that were vaccinated, you know, with the booster shot. So booster shot number seven, for example, you know, booster number eight, all of a sudden activates that protein from booster shot number one, and they can have complete population control. So, See, I mean, even to me, like as, as educated as I am about the nature of government, a year and a half ago, Mike saying this, I think it would have sound crazy to me. Pre-COVID, I would not have, but we have moved so far, lurched society in that direction in so many scary ways that now I hear these theories and it's like, yeah, shit, okay, all right, exactly. all right, buckle up. That's what we need to protect now, uh, protect from now. Um, and thanks so much for co-hosting today. Do, yes, did sir. I miss any critical comments? Uh, no, it's... Uh... A lot of people, a lot of praise for Mike, and uh, let's see. Um, let me pull this one up real quick from whoop de doo Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, he was responding to empty matters. He's values the action or the people of knowledge talking about these issues, and not someone who created a hundred different websites pretend they have knowledge of these things. So, I'm not sure if he's was responding. That, that might have been a dig on Mike. One of the things that Mike has yeah. done is create a bunch of websites. And the reason is it's to, to get around Facebook censorship, which is really interesting because right. they link, they link block. Um, but no, did you want to, you certainly can't criticize Mike for having not done his homework. No, All I right, Thank you very yeah, much. Aunt. But yeah. All right. We got just enough time. Let's get Jim to do the producer notes. What's going on everybody. Great show. Yep. I've been <laughs> calling it. I uh, won't take too long. T.me forward slash Adam versus Demand's public telegram channel. Everybody's welcome. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Demand. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com. The Crypto, the number six.com. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Click them all. Click them all in whatever order you want today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Love you all. Have a good day. 
All right. Well, we've got a bunch of links we didn't get to today. Tomorrow, catch up Thursday. Nothing super critically urgent, but one note of good news I'll end on so we don't have to carry this link for three more days. I don't have to look at this asshole's face. Jim, pull this up from yahoo.com. AP, disgraced DEA agent sentenced to 13 years in corruption case. Now, this isn't justice. The corruption that he was responsible for as a prolific narcotics agent known as the White Devil at least we got, uh, then he, he was uh, stealing money from suspects, falsifying government records, committing perjury during a federal trial. I'm sure ruined countless lives. That, that is the face of evil right there. I don't want to look at it anymore. The fact that he got 13 years is at least good news and that we have some hope in holding the police state accountable. We are at a time of great change and we should all appreciate in a positive sense that the police state is getting less and less brutal and more and more accountable every day. And they have to resort to shit like a pandemic to get away with the kind of control they're getting away with, right? Mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 